When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. Now, Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Tuning in tonight, Inside Sports on 6.30. Chet? You know, usually on uh, Holiday Mondays, we will have a best of edition, but we got a fresh show for you tonight. We had Stephen Mandel on, former Edmonton mayor, talking about Roger's place and the journey he uh, went through with those negotiations. Morley Scott was uh, on the show. We will have a bit of a best of element in half an hour, though. We're going to replay the Phil Esposito interview we did back uh, about three weeks ago. It was a good one. And uh, I think you'll enjoy hearing it again. So we will we will have an encore presentation. Kevin Carius is going to join us tomorrow on Inside Sports. He spent the weekend playing in the world's longest baseball game. And this man is the organizer. Brent Sake joining us on Inside Sports. Brent, welcome back to the show. How are you feeling, buddy? Oh, I'm feeling good, Reed. Thanks. I, was, uh, I tried to call in a little bit earlier and see if Mr. Mandel would help do negotiations on building a ballpark out of my place now. <laughs> well, <laughs> I, I think he stepped away from those types of things. He still do it. I know he could. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll, I'll, I'll pass that along to him. We'll see, we'll, we'll see what he says. Uh, but, uh, yeah, I know, that, uh, I know you want to get that ballpark out of your place, but uh, Edmonton Ballpark uh, this weekend, just g- give me the nuts and bolts, uh, Brent. I know, you, I, know, you know, I know you're raising money for the Alberta Cancer Foundation, the Cross Cancer Institute, and those uh, great causes. How did that side of it go? Oh, it was fantastic. Uh, we set kind of a lofty goal. Our first hockey game was uh, about 82,000, and uh, it was about, I think it was 82 hours that we played. And uh, because people are starting to uh, enjoy what we're doing or something, I'm not really sure, but uh, <laughs> we've already topped 250,000, which was our goal, and uh, and there's still time to donate and everything. It doesn't stop. Uh so I hope people do that. We had 277 innings, I believe, was the number, and it was like uh, 387 to 250 or something like that. (laughs) I was on the losing side, but you know what? It worked out good because um, it's Team Hope, which is uh, named after uh, our daughter Angelica. Her name's Angelica Hope. And uh, so I always play on that team, and the other team's Team Cure, and uh, it's kind of ironic, but Team Cure always seems to win these these little events, and Cure wins again because that's what we're after. Awesome stuff. So, so you, so Keeler, you did you did top the quarter million dollar mark, eh? So that's great to hear. Yeah, we did. 
Okay. Um, in terms, I mean, I, you were in studio about, uh, I guess, 12 days ago, getting ready for this. Of, of course, we asked you about about the weather. Um, what was it like? I mean, it, it wasn't a warm weekend, so how, how did everybody hold up through that? Oh, it was good, because if you didn't uh, have a good throw from short to first, you could just uh, make a snowball and make the throw. It actually snowed that night, which was a little crazy. Uh, um but uh, we did talk about that. It was when we played hockey, if it was awful weather, we had a lot of people donating and coming out and supporting us. And, and I was worried that uh, if we have bad weather on the weekend, we might not see as many people. And uh, we did see people. I mean, we always, I always want to see more people, of course, but we had lots of people that came out and watched us and, and supported us sitting in the rain and sitting in a little bit of snow that came down for a while. So it uh, it was... It was enjoyable. I had uh, the one night, and um, if these people are listening, I don't know who they are, but um, it was a young family with a young little girl that were sitting up in the stands in the rain, and I don't know the story, but I'm certain they weren't there to see our baseball, so I want to thank them for coming, and uh, that uh, really helped me play that night. Yeah, well, there's so many incredible stories out of this, Brent, and, and you do such a great job organizing it and get everybody um, fired up about it. Uh, it's funny, too, and, and I know this this isn't the point, but I, but I enjoy talking to you about this stuff because it's kind of a, a fun angle to it. Um, to, to, be a, a, to get into the Guinness World Records, I mean, you explained it to me with the hockey and with this, you have to record it all and be very precise, and it has to be... You know, you can't lollygag and stuff like that. Were, were, did everything did everything go well in that department? Yeah, as far as I was concerned, uh, I mean, uh, we're we're kind of decompressing a bit here in the garage with um, my wife Janelle and neighbor Kurt and Maddie, and we're talking a little bit about the game and some stories, and and we all just we were just saying, you know, it's like, well, I think we did fantastic. Like, I I don't recall a time where. Um, we took a break or anything, and I mean, if there was a time I was sleeping, maybe I missed something, but that's kind of what it comes down to. Uh, everybody was very diligent about making sure that, uh, like, when it's time to get out in the field, you get in the field. You don't just sit and wait. You jump out of the dugout and you get out there. Uh, the pitcher takes a few warm-up pitches and you throw. Uh, uh, the weather didn't stop us, thankfully. The only thing that would have stopped us was thunder, and thank God that didn't happen. So. We played right through. There was uh, it was go from start to finish, and uh, unless of course we had to give Janelle a hard time because that's always fun to do. <laughs> How many players did you have again? Uh, Fifty-eight players, two teams of twenty-six. If that math is right, I'm kind of tired, but yeah, uh, sounds right. <laughs> okay. yeah. uh, How did Chris Sheets play? <laughs> did he play? <laughs> <laughs> he, he claims to have played. <laughs> yeah, I heard some live stuff on the news that he was playing, apparently, but uh, I don't know. He was kind of a ghost out there. No, I'm just joking. <laughs> he did awesome. You know what I love about that is uh, Chris and uh, the fellow by the name of Yoni uh, um, that, uh, that, that will tell you they, they don't play baseball. It's not what they do or have done a lot of. And and uh, you have to tip your hat to these, these fellows that... Uh, Take themselves, take themselves out of their comfort zone, and, and say, "I want to do this. I want to do this for a reason." And uh, and they have those reasons to do that. But uh, they put themselves in a really awkward position because there was some pretty good ball players out there, and and it didn't matter. I, I talked to I talked to Chris, and 
we hugged and just you know like I, I was very appreciative of what uh, what he did and and uh, he said he loved the experience and and it was good. Uh, well, one guy, uh, he only uh, he's never actually touched a baseball or a bat before from Finland, um, and uh, so he played only because he's played in all the hockey games. Him and I are the only two that have, that have played in every hockey game. And I talked him into it. I said, Yoni, you made me play hockey, so you have to play baseball. So he does, and at the end of it, uh, talked to his coach, their toner, at Sinbin, and I said, you know, you got to give this guy respect. He never, he never played the game. He's never even touched the baseball. And toner comes back with, yeah, he still hasn't. <laughs> so, <laughs> 72 hours, and he still hasn't touched the baseball yet. <laughs> Well, but that's Brent, what it's like out there. Everybody giving everyone a hard time. It's fantastic. yeah, yeah. It's a great atmosphere. I, I I almost hate to do this, but but I'll but I'll ask you because you've done how, how many how many world's longest hockey games have you done? Uh, five, five, and now you've done the world's longest baseball game. Uh, do you know when, where, how the next one's going to be? Have you given that yeah, any absolutely. thought? Yeah, twenty. Uh, what year are we in here? We're in twenty sixteen, so not this winter. But next winter we'll be playing another hockey game out at uh, my place, and then uh, probably skip a year, and my ball diamond will be ready if uh, Mr. Mandel uh, brings some equipment out here and <laughs> gets that done. Uh, but yeah, well, it's that's kind of our plan. So we're gonna skip uh, skip a year. I need some family time. My kids and uh, wife. Uh, it's been a busy summer, so gonna take a year off and just in, in, enjoy doing nothing. And then we'll play hockey next next winter, um, and then probably skip a year and play baseball after that because the diamond should be ready by then. Well, Brent, such such great stuff. And again, people can still go check out the link on the uh, Alberta Cancer Foundation website if they want to donate. You bet, you, AlbertaCancer.ca. And uh, just, uh, if you don't mind uh, dropping a few bucks in there, I know we went to raise two hundred and fifty, but. Uh, if you want me to make the goal 300, we'll do that, and we'll go from there. Because it's a, the program that they're doing is unbelievable, and it's something that people at the cross here in Edmonton are pretty much getting funneled to with this immune program, and they need a lot of help right now. So that's our goal is to get that sorted out. Right on. Brent, thanks so much for your time uh, after, obviously, a, a busy weekend. You do great work. I'm so proud to have you on the show, and please keep in touch, okay? You bet. Thanks, Rick. That is Brent Sake checking in, the organizer of the world's longest baseball game. You heard him say it there. They played for 72 hours from noon Friday till noon today, raised over a quarter million dollars. They played 277 innings. How about that? Uh, and he said the score was something like 387 to 250. This, the, the, really, the, obviously, the funds raised uh, for the Alberta Cancer Foundation, the most relevant number. Just uh, incredible stuff that Brent does, and really glad that he made time for the show, especially after uh, being up for most of the weekend. I think he got a few naps, but uh, you're up a long time playing in that. This portion of Inside Sports is presented by Action Furnace, home of the fixed right, or it's free guarantee. You can check them out online at actionfurnace.ca. As always, you can text 630-630. Phone number 780-496-0063. This is Inside Sports on 630 Jet. This is Oscar Clef from, from your Edmonton Oiler, and you're listening to the Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Oilers Radio 630 Chad.
Tune in tonight, Inside Sports on 630 Chet. It is 820. Just a uh, little bit of a non-sports note. Apparently, uh, Peter Mansbridge has announced that this will be his last year as anchor of the National. Peter Mansbridge, better known as that guy whose news show is always moved late during the hockey playoffs. Yes. Never starts on time. Or has the only five-minute or the five- or ten-minute newscast in between overtime and the end of the third period during the playoffs. Those are always great. I always look forward to those. Peter Mansbridge, hey, Peter, just stick around. You're on after overtime. Yes. Your little news show. Who watches the national anyway, Peter? Six six hours Just later, he's still standing around. This triple overtime game band, okay, Mansbridge. <laughs> oh, there you go, Reed. There's a job opening they, I, for you. I think that's how they treat Peter Mansbridge. You, you could do Peter Mansbridge's job. <laughs> uh, Reed Wilkins with the national. Now here's a here's a quiz for Kellen, if I remember. Okay. Who did Peter Mansbridge replace as the uh, anchor on the national? Um. Uh, we have his signature up in the main lobby here because there's an old Ched banner that's like signed with everybody's uh, Nolton Nash. Was Nolton that it? Nash. Yes, I don't think there was anybody in between. No, I don't think so. Uh, well, you know what? I, thanks to Wikipedia, I can look it up right now. There we go. Hang on. You know, Peter Mansbridge, get this, he only does Monday to Thursday. Yeah? His uh, ex-wife, Wendy Mesley, does Friday and Saturday. Whoa, you think that's an awkward office? Well, I think they're fine with it. Okay. It's been like that. For, he's married to, uh, is, it, is it Cindy Dale or Cynthia Dale? Mm. The Canadian actress. Well, wasn't she on Street Legal or something like that? Okay. That was, you I think, know. before you're my time. Going around, you're just going along with anything. I think that's... Everything's before your time. I think the last really hardcore Canadian show I got into before Orphan Black was uh, Da Vinci's Inquest. Okay, well now you're... Oh, okay, I see what you're Yeah. Uh, who else here? Hang that was on. a good show. Da Vinci's Inquest. That was great. It was an awesome show. All right. According to this, uh, yeah, Nolton Nash... 78 to 88, Mansbridge 88 to 92. Then it says Allison Smith 92 to 95, and then Mansbridge since 95. Huh. All right. Lloyd Robertson did the national 70 to 76. Then I guess he went to CTV and he did what was it? What's the CTV show called? Just the CTV, CTV national. News. National CTV. News. Yeah. All right. Well, there we go. So Peter Mansbridge now will not be at the whim mm. of when hockey games end. No. Anymore. He's, he's, he's moving on. That's it. He's thrown in a towel at this point. Yeah, he's just yeah. giving up. Yeah, okay. Playoffs last year was too much for him. <laughs> Inside Sports on 630, Chad. The phone number is 780-496-0063. You can also text us at 630-630. Uh, the show tomorrow will be from 6 to 8. Kevin Carius will be in studio. Oh, this will be cool. Speaking of uh, great Canadian TV personalities. Mm-hmm. Blue Jays play-by-play voice Dan Shulman will join us on the show tomorrow. That's going to be awesome. awesome. I love that guy. Absolutely love Great that voice. guy. Great voice. Then pipes. we'll have the Eskimo show from six, uh, from eight to nine with Morley or uh, Dave. No, Morley's doing it. Dave's Dan. Dave Dave's doing inside sports tomorrow because I have to go to something at the new arena, mm-hmm. starting getting ready for the season. Uh, so uh, Morley will be talking about the Eskimos' loss today, forty-five twenty-four to Calgary. Here's post-game head coach Jason Moss. Tough one to take here today. Yeah, we just weren't weren't good enough uh, as a team, as a whole team, to win. Um, we played against a better team today, and uh, I can't say any more than that. They just they made plays when it counted. Um, 
and we didn't, and uh, you know we paid paid for it at the end. You guys scratched way back into it uh, after being down by 21 early. You got to within a touchdown, but it just seemed you couldn't hold any momentum that you got back. Well, the, the momentum we had ended at half. So had that happened midway through the second quarter, probably is a different ball game uh, because coming out of the half, our defense, you know, makes them go two and out. So if Bo Levi's thinking at all after that pick, you know, for a couple series to end a half, it's probably better for us. But that momentum went by the wayside waiting for another 16-minute halftime. So, but I thought we did a good job recapturing it. Offensively, we just didn't hold up our end of the bargain coming out of the half. It just, you know, uh, Stan Peters did a good job of, you know, making scores with the win. It seemed like your, your team had, you know, trouble making some plays downfield. And whether that was trouble up front or receivers not getting open, I'm not sure what it was. But it just seemed like you couldn't make the plays you wanted to make downfield. Yeah, I mean, uh, generally when we've gotten beaten this year, it's because we haven't been able to make the big play down the field. And teams have held us in check. Uh, you know, when they've done that, they've done a good job against us. But, uh, you know, it was another case for that today. So whether it was you know, us not being able to hold up up front, which, you know, I think Mike, um, you know, a little bit of that for everybody. It wasn't just the old line up front. So, you know, we, we need to just look at the tape and figure it out, and we will. you got four days between games now to work with, uh, Jason. How do you approach this break? Well, it is was just another game. That's the bottom line. So we got to refocus, not hang our heads, get back to work on Wednesday, and uh, watch this film and learn from it, realize that there, I don't know how many adjustments a team that's 8-1 one and 1 is going to make that just beat us by 20 points. So I'm pretty sure they're confident in their abilities and what their schemes and what they're going to do. We just have to match that, uh, the schemes, and match it with better plays. And uh, if we can do that and hold up physically, you know, hopefully hope for a better outcome come Saturday. Thanks, Jason. Appreciate it. All Thank right, you. there's uh, Jason Moss from our post-game show here on 6.30. Chad, we'll have the next Eskimos game on Saturday night when they host Calgary. 3.30 pregame show, 5 o'clock for the kickoff. And uh, no doubt the Eskimos have some work to do. I, I mean, I've... Well, I think I have sounded pretty negative about the Eskimos over the course of being on air today. Um... I just think there's a apparent separation between Calgary and Edmonton. I, I don't think the Eskimos are a horrible team. I just think it's going to be tough for them to overcome Calgary. I don't think it's impossible, but they're going to have to be a lot sharper than they were today. And when Calgary does have a slip-up, they're going to have to pounce on it. Uh, I mean, Ladler got the interception today, but Calgary, don't forget, Calgary fumbled four times in the first half. The Eskimos didn't recover any of them. When they made Calgary punt, Calgary did have a couple of two-and-outs in the second half. Eskimos didn't respond with a score. So the moments that are there for, to grab the game, the Eskimos got to be able to grab it on Saturday. We will bring you an encore presentation of an entertaining interview with hockey legend Phil Esposito when we get back. Inside Sports on Chet. This is J.C. Sheriff from your Edmonton Eskimos, and you're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on 630 Chad. So that other Labor Day game today, Hamilton was down 20 points in the second quarter, came back to beat Toronto 49-36. The Ticats outscoring Toronto 32-6 in the second half. So Toronto now at 4-6 uh, and six on the season. The Eskimos lose to Calgary 45-24. They are 5-5. Five five. The Eskimos are fourth in the West. 
but they uh, do have a crossover playoff spot as of today because they are two points up on Toronto. This portion of Inside Sports presented by Action Furnace, home of the fixed right or its free guarantee. You can visit actionfurnace.ca. It is Labor Day Monday. Uh, Usually on a holiday Monday, we would have a best-of show, uh, two or three hours of all Good interviews from past shows. Well, we had a new show with you today. If you missed it, we had Stephen Mandel in studio talking about Rogers Place. He was the mayor of Edmonton through the negotiation process. Morley Scott was on the show. Brent Sake. We do want to keep up with the best of spirit. And this was an interview that I think entertained a lot of you. You'll probably be listening again if you heard it the first time. If not check it out for the first time. Here we go. A few weeks ago, back on August 12th, it was NHL legend, now a uh, radio analyst with the Tampa Bay Lightning, Phil Esposito was on the show. Don't forget, he also founded the Lightning. Well, here's how it went that night with him. Phil, welcome to the show. How are you doing? I'm doing well, thank you. And how are you doing? I'm I'm doing great. I, I've had a great summer. How are you? How are your summers? Are you, are you a, a golfer, a, a boater, a, a sun tanner? <laughs> what are you? What are you no, doing? I'm a golfer. Yeah, I like playing golf, and I play uh, two times a week for sure. Sometimes three. And I enjoy myself. Uh, I play with the same guys all the time, and we have quite a rivalry going. <laughs> <laughs> now, uh, how did you, how did you get into the sport? Was this once you became an NHLer, or did you start maybe well, in golf? Teens? Yeah, I didn't. I didn't start playing until I was thirty. 30 years old, maybe thirty-one, uh, because I had to work in the summertime uh, to make ends meet until I was thirty years old. Not like now. That's People forget that, you know. They forget that in the 60s and 70s, I mean, I worked until 72. I worked in a steel mill in the Sault Ste. Marie after the season was over. I went home, and I worked for those three and a half, four months or whatever it was, because we were done in May. The year we won the Stanley Cup in May, it was May, what, 9th, I think it was? So I went home, and I worked... Uh, uh, June, July, August, and uh, went back to work in September. Well, that is a, a, a totally different era, obviously. So you're telling me the year you you set a record, 1971, with 76 goals, you finished the playoffs, and then, I mean, what was it like to be an NHL player and it, arguably the best NHL player of that time and then kind of working a, a, a nine-to-five lunch pail-type job in the, in the summer? What was that like? Hey, listen, you did what you had to do to make I had two kids. I had a, you do what you have to do to survive. And I drove bulldozers, track excavators, uh, graders, uh, you name it, I drove it, and I had a blast doing it. I enjoyed myself with the guys, and I played ball in the summer. Unless I worked a 3 to 11 shift, and when I worked a 3 to 11 shift, I couldn't play ball, but when I worked 7 to 3 or 11 to 7, it was easy. I could play ball and still do all the rest of the stuff. And that's, I really liked, to tell you the truth, the 7-3 to three shift was the best. But the 11-7 the to seven shift was okay, too. So what, what, because now, you mentioned the salaries are, are way different. Guys, I mean, most of the NHLers I talk to, and when the Oilers come back in, in the fall, now they haven't had any playoff games, obviously, but they usually take a couple of weeks off and then they train, and they're kind of expected to come to training camp in shape, you know, to, to, to go. Could you do any 
type of training like that? Because you absolutely working? nothing. No, yeah. we came to camp. No, we had six weeks of training camp, and the first three days we didn't touch a puck. It was just skate, skate, skate. Two hours in the morning, two hours in the afternoon, and after three days, you couldn't touch the body. We were so sore, and um, you know that's what we did. And we scrimmaged. After that, we started line rushes, and then we would scrimmage, and we would have hockey games, basically inner squad games, because there would be. 30, 35 guys there. And we are, let's not forget, eh, we only played with five defensemen and three lines. <laughs> People forget that, too. I mean, we played three lines, nine forwards and five defensemen, and one goalie. Well, we had two goalies, right. <laughs> but one played. Yeah. So, okay. so there were 16 guys. That's what we had. And uh, that's what we did. And it was fine. I mean, I probably averaged, somebody told me I averaged 38 to 39 minutes a game. Hell, these guys are in such great shape. Why can't they play that much? Right. Oh, I'm so sorry. They're bigger, they're stronger, all the rest of that stuff. Right. Well, I don't believe in that bullshit. <laughs> what? Um, so when you finally had a summer off, 72, well, I guess 72, you didn't have the whole summer off because you played in the Summit Series. But what? Well, I, in 72, we did a hockey school, my brother and I, and to play in that series, we gave our old kids money back. I turned it down four times, or three times. I turned down Eagleson, I turned down Sinden, I turned down Ferguson. And then Bobby Orr called me. And he said, that's what he said, I can't play. My knee is bad, but we really need you to play. And I says, okay, he said, but we need your brother too. And my brother was dead against doing it. He didn't want to do it at all, and neither did I. But once I said, yeah, my brother had no choice to play in that series. So we gave all the kids back their money for the last two weeks. Because I remember I went to training camp on August the 14th, which was my oldest daughter's birthday. And that's when I left to go down there. So, were you reluctant to do it just because you were you'd have to get out of the hockey school commitment, or was it? No, I just things? didn't care about it. Why right. would I care? <laughs> I was an NHL professional. I didn't want to give a crap about playing against the Russians. No one iota. And the truth is, the truth is, in Boston, in Chicago, in New York, they didn't care one diddly about this series. So I, let me ask you this, though, because I mean, you're remembered for that passionate post-game interview you did after one of the games. I played for my country. Yeah, well, what, that's what, what I did. Yeah, that's all. It wasn't. I didn't play for Harry. I didn't play for. Uh, I played for the country, and I played for the guys on the team with me. That's what I played for. So when did that? Can, when did that team really start to bond? Then feel that maybe guys started to care about it or get a little more passionate about it. Well, after the first game, right? <laughs> I mean, I mean, I don't care. And I was one of these guys that said we should have never been called Team Canada. Never, we should have been called Team NHL. They didn't let Gordy Howe play, Bobby Hull play, uh, Jerry Cheevers play, Derek Sanderson play, Dion Ke- Dave Keon play. Real good players because they were in the WHA. Then why the hell call it Team Canada? Phil Esposito joining us on uh, Inside Sports as we go down memory lane here, talking about the 72 uh, Summit Series, other aspects of his his career. You know, Phil, there are a lot of guys like you who have had outstanding hockey careers. Not a lot of them then went on to become the founders of uh, of NHL franchises. It's the greatest thing I've ever done in the game of hockey. Really? Without a doubt. Absolutely. I was out of my element. I knew it. 
But I, I finally figured out both Apple's brains. And uh, that's what I did. And there's no doubt in my mind, and I'm not talking about the NHL owners. I'm talking about raising the $50 million. And it wasn't easy. Um, I sacrificed a marriage. I sacrificed every penny that I ever made. Uh, but it was all worth it in the long run because I got the team. I did what I wanted to do. And I'm living here in Florida and living the dream and living the life in paradise. So, well, let me ask you why it was so important to you. You mentioned the things you sacrificed. Why was it so important at the time? Because let's face it, Phil, you know what it was like. A lot of people at the time were saying, hockey in Tampa, why? What's the, what's the point? Why was it so important? Yeah, well, those people don't realize you play indoors. <laughs> you know, you go, I remember, I tell people this all the time. When I, I remember one day going to Montreal. It was 10 below zero. And this before all the Celsius BS came out. It was 10 below zero. I walk into the Montreal Forum freezing. In the Forum was about 68, 69 degrees. Or, it wasn't cold anyway, and not like outside. After the game, it came out, it was 12 below zero. Okay? Here in Tampa Bay, you go into the rink, it's 68, 69 degrees. When you come out, it's 70, 75 I ask you, which would you prefer? <laughs> well, the thing is, Phil, I've I've lived. Which in would your... you prefer? <laughs> I, I'm used to the temp, the Canadian temperatures, though, Phil. I don't know yeah. what it's like well, on the other okay. side. You get used to something, correct? <laughs> right. Me, I prefer to go out with just my sports coat on and not put on a big coat and gloves and scarves. Hey, that's what I prefer. You might prefer different. I don't miss the cold weather at all. <laughs> well, when did you, was there a point where you felt, and maybe it was right away, Phil, but I, I want to get your memories on this. Was there a point you felt, okay, this team is catching on. They've got a bond with the community. People are starting to care. Was there a, a season? People didn't understand. We averaged 22,000 people in a baseball facility for three years till we built our arena. 22,000. You people up north haven't got a damn clue about what's going on down here. You still think it's the wrong thing to do. And I know that because I get it all the time. I I just don't understand. If you don't understand that hockey's played indoors, and does it matter what the temperature is outside? I don't think so. No, it's well, more comfortable to come to the rink in Tampa Bay than it is to go to the rink in Edmonton. Sure, but in dead of winter. No, Phil. Look, I I understand the franchise has been successful. I don't I don't question the team being there. I, I'm just saying when the team started in a non-traditional market, and I know you got you got fans coming out, but but there's to me there's a level of passion and commitment to being a fan that well, maybe you don't get a you don't get a um, what's the word I'm looking for you don't get a tradition overnight. You just don't get it. Edmonton was lucky. And I'll tell you why. Because when the WHA and they ended up with Scalbania getting Wayne, and then all of a sudden Mark, and then Coffee and Grant Fear and, and Glenn doing a fabulous job of putting all these guys together, and you win four or five cups in a row, you got spoiled. You did. I don't blame you. I would have got spoiled too. You had a great hockey team, and you started a tradition, but you started it quickly because you had great players. But when you went through an expansion like we did, 
where they wouldn't even give you the third goalie. And you would have to take these six defensemen. You knew that you didn't have a chance in hell of winning. So what did you have to do? You had to be entertaining. So what did I do? I built a team, and I put some tough guys. And I used to tell them, don't worry about fighting. Go ahead. I'll pay the fines for you. Because the fans want it. Because the fans would like that. Now it's different. Now they've understood. Now we're here 25 years next year. They understand, boy, this hockey is beautiful. It's a ballet on ice. It's gorgeous. But in the beginning, how did I get these people in the building? How do you get them in the building? You know you're not going to win. You know you're taking the scrap heap. And I got to tell you, guys, guys like Brian Bradley scored over 40 goals for us. He wasn't wanted anywhere. Yeah, I mean, he... we took the guys that weren't wanted anywhere else. Let's face it. Yeah. Well, Bradley was a great story. I, I remember that for sure. Hey, Phil, I got to ask you, uh, Steve. And by the way, he still lives here. Oh, he stayed there, did he? Yeah. Good for him. Of course, they all stay here. Mark Bergevin even has a house here still. Chris Grant has a house still here. Um, Vinny LeCavalier is moving back here. Brad Richards is moving back here. This is paradise plus it's 20, 24%, 23% tax savings. So do you think that's why Stamkos ultimately decided to stay? Because there was Absolutely. a lot of worry. Yeah. Absolutely. He's a, he's a king here. He's a king here. The guy's a king. And for him to make as much money as $8.5 million, you think about it, 20% is about almost $2 million. He'd have to make 10 and a half somewhere else. And nobody was going to give him that. Yeah. Regardless of what you're hearing, all the bullshit you're hearing, nobody was going to give him that. And, and the truth is, and that's the way it should have been. That's the way it should have been for Stephen. Because Steve is the star here. He's the guy. He's the king. So what do you, when, you, when you were an elite player, too, when, when you have the elite guys like Stamkos, Crosby, I mean, we're hoping McDavid becomes an incredible player here. For oh, he is an incredible player. What, he doesn't have to become one. He is. What, what's, what separates the elite guys in your mind? I mean, it's great to sit here and say he skates faster, shoots hard. What separates the elite guys in your mind? God-given talent and, and the mental capacity to read the plays and understand the game. Who is better at it? Who? was better at it than Wayne Gretzky. Nobody. Wayne would know what you were going to do with the puck before you did, if you had it. That's what made Wayne. That's what separated Wayne. He wasn't the fastest. He wasn't the biggest. He didn't have the hardest shot. But he was the smartest player that ever played. And he had a passion for it. And when you have a passion for it, and that's the difference between, I think, real good players. Guys have different levels of talent. There's no doubt about that. But it's the mental ability to think the game and to understand what the opposers, opposing players are doing and to how to take advantage of their weaknesses. And, and, I, and I just, I, that's why I used to love watching Wayne play. I loved watching him play. Because people would say, well, man, he's not that fast, and he's skinny, and he's this, and he's that. Yeah, I said, he, he only controls everything. <laughs> right. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, and, and, and you've you got guys like that. I don't think Sidney can control a game like Wayne did, but he's a heck of a player. Mario could control a game when he wanted to. But Wayne wanted to every game. Every game. Very seldom did Wayne Gretzky take a game off. Yeah. 
very seldom. Well, and 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 I those are those are the guys that are you separate, you know, and that difference. And that's why Connor McDavid, I believe, he thinks the game by watching him. He thinks the game, and guys like that, I just absolutely love. Well, maybe you kind of answered my question because I like asking this question to guys. Uh, when you look back on your career, the best player you ever played with and the best player you ever played against. Yeah, maybe you answered the th- with, with, with Gretzky there, but are, are there two guys? No, I only you... played one. Gee, I was uh, you... my last year. Right. I, I really didn't. I only played one game, I think, against Oh, okay. So, but the best player I ever played with is Bobby Orr. Yeah. Without a doubt. I mean, if he hadn't gotten his bad knees in 10 years, what he did in 10 years, you imagine if he would have played 20 years? <laughs> I mean, nobody would have ever come close to the things he would have done as a defenseman. It's incredible. Now, the, the greatest player I played against, I don't know, man. That's, a, that's hard for me to answer. Because there's so many guys that I, I mean, Gordy comes to mind right away uh, because of his toughness and his skill. And you talk about a guy that loved to play. Gordy Howe was that. There's no doubt about it. He just loved it. Nobody could play. And Chris Chelios is another guy I never played against him. But nobody can play that long. Look at Yager. Of course, the, the 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 physical getting in shape and all that stuff is certainly different than when Gordy played and I played and uh, and Bobby Hull and the guys like that. But uh, still, uh, the the mental strength of Yager to keep on going like he did—that's what made Gordy was like like he did. Come on, I mean, I never played against Messier, but there was another guy I liked to watch. He was as close to Gordie Howe as anybody I saw before. Yeah. You know, that, that he could be mean, he could be good, he could play any style of game you wanted, and that's what Gordie could do. So I'd say Gordie was the best player I ever played against. Phil Esposito joining us in Inside Sports. Phil, I got one more for you. Um, sure. You've probably answered this before, but I, but I want to a- ask it myself. What was a stronger emotion for you as a player? How much you hated losing or how much you loved winning? Hmm. That's a real, that's a real good question. <laughs> well, I wasn't a very good loser, but I loved winning. <laughs> uh, but I could tolerate losses because you can't win all the time. But I loved winning. <laughs> <laughs> well, Phil, thanks. For- I play golf. I play golf with my buddies, and, and I mean we're all about the same age, you know between 60 and 75 and and I gotta tell you I wanna beat their butts all the time <laughs> well you probably do too don't you <laughs> no I don't but today I did today I did <laughs> Phil uh, this was incredible thanks for some of your memories and, and, and talking about some of the stars in today's game uh, an honor to have you on the show and uh, yeah and, you know, well, thank look, you. look forward to watching the Lightning play this season they're a fun team thanks for your time well thank you very much and uh don't worry about McDavid. He's a star. That's Phil Esposito. That was a fun one. Inside Sports on Chet. Thanks a lot for tuning in tonight. Hope you enjoyed our encore presentation of the Phil Esposito interview. Entertaining man. 
You also heard from Brent Sake talking about the world's longest baseball game. Wrapped up earlier today, 72 hours, 277 innings. Most importantly, over a quarter million dollars in the battle against cancer. Eskimos play-by-play voice Morley Scott was on the show. Eskies lose 45-24 to Calgary. And we spent an hour in studio with former Mayor Stephen Mandel talking about Rogers Place. If you missed anything, go to the Inside Sports page on 630Ched.com. Producer of the show is Dave Campbell. The studio producer this evening, Kellen Kennedy. We're back with another episode of the show tomorrow at 6. I'm Reid Wilkins. Thanks for tuning in. 630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.